Good morning, and welcome to my podcast on Simple Faith. It's good to be with you once again. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to meet with you. Thank you for Jesus who paved the way, who made people who were unrighteous, unholy, unacceptable to be holy, righteous, and acceptable in your eyes. Thank you, Lord, for the potential and the possibilities that prayer brings into our lives as we apply your word to our lives personally. Father, I pray that again you would send the Holy Spirit upon us, that he would open our hearts that we might receive your word, that he would open our minds that we might understand, and then open our lives that we would be obedient to the things that you show us and the things that you tell us to do. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, friends, turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I want to pick up in the fifth verse, but before we get there, let me give to you a little background information. Uh, John has been writing to these folks in the church that he's previously spoken to, that he's established a relationship with. And in his letter, he does not present to them any new ideas or concepts, but rather he's reinforcing the things that he's already said to them, the things that he has already showed them. And he's saying, this is how you recognize those who have a real, actual relationship with Jesus Christ. And then he says to us, that we have victory and we overcome the world by our continuing persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God. And then he asked the question in verse 5, Who is the one who is victorious and overcomes the world? It is the one who believes and recognizes the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Let's pause here for a moment. Think about what he's saying. Who is victorious? Who overcomes the world? The one who believes. In other words, belief being a continuing persistent faith, a faith that acts in the things that God says to him. It reminds me of Abraham in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. We need to have a belief that activates our actions. And not only that, we must recognize the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, He is the promised Messiah that the Old Testament spoke of and the prophets foretold. He was the one who was going to usher in the kingdom of God. Verse 6, this is he who came through water and blood, 
his baptism and death. Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. It is the Holy Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is truth. He is the essence and origin of truth itself. Let's break down the sixth verse. Let's look at it closely. He, meaning Jesus, came through water and blood. He was given life and his baptism gave life to his earthly ministry. But he also experienced physical death. As John says, Christ came not by water only, but by the water and the blood. In other words, he's saying, and he's reminding us that Christ physically existed on this earth, but he also died an actual physical death and his blood was shed so that you and I might have life and have it more abundant. How do we know? Well, there's two witnesses already. His baptism, his death. The water testifies, the blood testifies. But now he forms a three-chord strand by adding in the third witness, and he says it is the Holy Spirit who testifies and we know that the testimony of the Holy Spirit is true because the Spirit is truth. In other words, He is the essence and origin of truth itself. If you want to know what is true, turn to the Holy Spirit for He again is the essence and the origin of truth. Verse 7, John says, For there are three witnesses, just as I told you, <laughs> the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three are in agreement. In other words, their testimony is perfectly consistent. What one says, the other says, and the other says. They work in harmony. They work in unity. Their testimony is consistent. Verse 9, if we accept, as we do, the testimony of men, now listen to this carefully, if we accept, as we do in this world, the testimony of men, that is, if we are willing to take the sworn statements of fallible humans as evidence, the testimony of God is greater. In other words, far more authoritative. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified regarding his son. What a simple and straightforward truth that John presents. He says to you and I, 
You're so willing to accept the testimony of men. Men who swear to statements that they make. Fallible humans. We accept their evidence. We accept what they say, what they've seen, what was done. And if we're willing to do that, John says that the testimony of God is far greater, far more authoritative, far more powerful. That word authoritative means power. For this testimony of God that he has testified regarding his son, truth, power, life. Verse 10, the one who believes in the Son of God, in other words, the person who adheres to, trusts in, and relies confidently on him as Savior, has the testimony within himself because he can, he can speak authoritatively about Christ from his own personal experience. Let me pause for a moment. Think of what John's saying. That the person who truly believes in the Son of God and shows evidence of that by adhering to, trusting in, and placing their confidence in Jesus as Savior, that person has a testimony within themselves because that person can speak authoritatively, powerfully about Christ from his own personal experience. This goes back, friends, to the fact that you and I cannot give to others what we ourselves do not have. But we can give to others what we do have. And when we testify based on our faith relationship, it has authority. And we talk with one who has personally experienced in our lives. Let me continue. The one who does not believe God in this way has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed in the evidence that God has given regarding his son. Verse 11, and the testimony is this. God has given us eternal life. Let me pause. God has given us eternal life. The moment that we come into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, John's saying we already possess eternal life. Continuing to read, he says, and this is the life, and this life is in his Son resulting in our spiritual completeness and eternal companionship with him. Let me read the 11th verse as a whole again. 
And this is the, t and the testimony is this, God has given us eternal life. We already possess it. And this life is in his son, resulting in our spiritual completeness and eternal, eternal companionship with him. He who has the son by accepting him as Lord and savior has the life that is eternal. He who does not have the Son of God by personal faith does not have life. It's as simple as that. It is as cut and dry as that. No wavering, no in-between. You're either for Him or you're against Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this day. Thank you for our opportunity to meet with you. Thank you for the faithfulness of your word and the truth that it brings because it was inspired by the truth giver, the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that as your children reread 1 John chapter 5 and especially verses 5 through verse 12, I pray that you would speak to them again, fresh and new, and apply these words to their lives personally. In Jesus' name, amen. I cannot express enough how grateful I am for each one of you. God loves you. I love you. I pray a blessing upon you. Would you do me a favor? Would you simply repost this on your Facebook page? Would you send it out through Twitter or Instagram or Messenger? However you can best share it. Until tomorrow, may God bless.